This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Happy 600 to us, all yeah. of us here in the basement and all the smart people up in Bristol. Yep. 600 shows, 774 different Whoa. guests have appeared on this program, and the Florida State Seminoles have had more, more student-athletes, administrators, stars, all that stuff, than any other ACC team. Mm. So shout-out to the Knowles and uh, sports information directors and all, those all that the, stuff. Check Walsh's of the world's getting the job done. But well, we appreciate everybody's support at the ACC uh, to make this happen because I think the storylines of the student-athletes, mm-hmm. what the coaches go through, we just have fun and get in front of the parade uh, 600 times on the TV front, but it's been a great deal of fun. Yep. Uh, as Pac said, the folks at the institutions – uh, sports information folks are the are the key element for us, uh, the coaches, the administrators, but really the the young people we visit with on this show, and allow you to visit with indirectly are are the ones that are the real stars. Yep. In all honesty, I mean that those are the ones making the plays, telling the stories, and uh, really drawing attention to successes all over the Atlantic Coast Conference, and so. We're grateful for your patronage, and uh, as we said in New Orleans, it was nice to run into a couple folks who enjoyed the show. And uh, that happened a bunch. I, I was pleasantly surprised by yeah. that. Got to be honest with you. Yeah. So uh, look forward to being out on the road in the future. Uh, hopefully in the fall a little bit, and uh, get a chance to uh, to meet more of you. And thanks again for being a part of Packer. And hey, did you bring Chester and Fuller? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't need to bring the dogs. There were plenty of creatures walking around down in New Orleans. I remember uh, the gentleman that came over and spoke to us the other night with uh, Lumberjack Drew Brooks was a Carolina man's hat said Carolina Crew on it. Yep. He'll be worried about He'll the rankings coming up on Friday. He'll be interested in your rankings on Friday. We're going to come Friday. Yeah. We're going to do some work on that this Mark week. Mark Packer's rowing rankings. Pac-Man's rowing. Being exclusive. Yeah, nobody else has them. To uh, ACC we just saw Network. That. We yeah. just saw the rankings. Yeah. NA, not available. That's it. Followed only by Jeff Borzello's next in line <laughs> ranking for Virginia men's basketball, whatever that means. Wait, hey, can, can we get Tony Bennett on to ask him about being next in line? I mean, seriously, what is this, Denny's? <laughs> I mean, it's one of the worst things I've ever read. I didn't even know because I don't read any of that garbage. I don't. <gasps> I mean, I know Schleyball comes out with this thing in football. Schleyball. And Schleyball is a guy who takes it the right way because he knows it doesn't matter because we haven't seen the portal. We haven't seen recruiting. We haven't seen who's shown up. Mark is so good. And he, he cuts loose this early, early top 25, and he's like, oh, this is a hopeless task. It's painful. And so does Borzell. I'm sure Jeff feels the same way. I don't know him as well as I know Mark, but I'm, I'm betting it's but the same. I've never heard of that one before. Next in line as a ranking. It's, when you run out at the end, I guess. Anyway, God, Kansas beat Carolina last night, uh, seventy-two to sixty-nine is the final of the national championship game at the uh, Superdome in New Orleans. Another terrific crowd on hand to watch a title game in the Superdome and in the Big Easy. And in all honesty, tale of two halves: Carolina with a fifteen-point lead at the break. Um, Kansas really fought themselves offensively in the last seven minutes of the first half. Meanwhile, Carolina, who was playing with Armando Baycott, uh, really limited because of his ankle sprain against Duke on Saturday. Um, the Tar Heels saw Kansas 
really tighten the screws defensively and open the vowels on offense in the second half. I yeah, thought. twenty to six run. Uh, it was very reminiscent of what Kansas did to Miami. Yeah, the Canes had a lead at the half. It wasn't fifteen. I think it was six off the top of my head. Yep. And then Kansas just blitzkrieged them. Second half, right? Forty-seven yep. to fifteen. I think it was the final in the second half. Very similar here. I mean, it was very similar. Their defensive intensity was out of sight. Yep. North Carolina had a hard time dealing with it. But, uh, man, the heels, what a weird stretch of runs. First half, I mean, right out of the gate, Kansas up 7 nothing. Carolina yep. goes on a 16-0 run, led by 16 at one point in time in the first half, led by 15 at halftime. And then here comes Kansas, and you could just feel the mojo going the other direction. And all of a sudden, North Carolina's like, yikes, we got ourselves a fist fight. And it was. It was a great basketball game. It was 57-57 coming down the stretch. And literally much like the game Saturday night with Duke and North Carolina, who's got the ball last? Who's yeah. going to make one more shot? And unfortunately for us here on ACC Network, Kansas made that shot. Yeah. Ten double-figure scores in the ball game. Five for each school. A uh, couple of double – five double-doubles in the ball game. First time that's happened in championship game history. Um, just a just a really really entertaining ball game. I said at the top of the show today, if you if you didn't have a vested interest in who was who you wanted to win, you really enjoyed yourself last night. It was a very entertaining college basketball game. Yeah, I don't know what the TV numbers will be. Uh, they were really good for Duke North Carolina. Surprise, wow. surprise. Wow. Yeah. Uh, again, the games were not on CBS; they were on TBS. Mm-hmm. So that will have an influence in terms of numbers. And given the fact that. You know, there's zero on the West Coast. I mean, the West Coast was eliminated. Lawrence, Kansas, as far west as you can going to go here. Yeah. Uh, don't know what the big numbers will be, but as far as the entertainment value on the couch, sitting at home, at a bar, wherever you were watching the ball game, yeah. uh, or listening to it, uh, it was thoroughly entertaining. I think both teams laid it on the line, and that's what you expect in a championship game. Yeah. Um, Ochai Abaji ends up being the most outstanding player of the tournament. Personally, I thought David McCormick should have gotten it, but well, McCormick was next in line. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. Uh, you look at the numbers, though. Uh, second half numbers: Carolina really fought it, twenty-seven and a half percent shooting, eleven of forty, two of twelve from three, uh, eight turnovers that were cashed in for fourteen points. Uh, they did win the glass; they were plus eleven in the second half on the glass, but. Mark, Kansas' defense, you know, we don't talk about it. Even from a national perspective, we don't talk about their defense enough, you know? Well, the quicks, I mean, the speed of the game, I think, was what made it so entertaining last night. Kansas likes to run, 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 and so does Carolina. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was such a frantic pace last night, Uh, almost to the point you're like, man, are these teams under control, but yet you still had teams scoring. And Mm -hmm. crazy, like I said, crazy momentum swings in terms of streaks when you thought that Kansas was dead in the water, here they come, and then all of a sudden you figure, oh, man, North Carolina's now toast. They're down six. Well, right. Here come the heels. Um, it was just a fun, fun basketball game to watch. Really so, was. Uh, Tar Heels finished the year as the national runner-up. Uh, Kansas wins their third national championship and second under Bill Self. Fourth national Fourth national title. championship. They won it second. 52, 88, 08, That's 22. It. Yeah, and second under Bill Self. And Bill Self becomes the first Kansas coach to win multiple national titles. Yeah, because Dick Harp won in 52, Larry Brown in 88. So there you go. And uh, we found out that Mark Emmert uh, gave the trophy last night to the Kansas City Jayhawks, of a team of which will, number one, will not be in my rowing rankings, nor do they even exist. But we appreciate Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, Apparently sound asleep, slobbering on himself uh, during the game, not having any earthly idea who actually won the championship. Did, 
if folks want to tune in this afternoon to off campus uh, that will be a topic will, will we get the audio provided for that uh, too perhaps we okay man, what do we, come on man you got one job you it, seriously i know you've been investigating kansas for i don't know a decade football and basketball so i'm sure you're aware of them do you, do you think Emmert was thinking about the awkward moment i do i i think that's what caused you the think problem. he choked I, a little bit because panics. he knew he was going to be on stage with somebody that has been in the target of the inve- of the infractions committee for about what five years. It's, it, seriously, their investigation with Kansas going for five years. Yeah, and four and a half. Years. There's been a notice of allegations. All these things for both sports. I I was talking to somebody last night. How do you cheat in football at Kansas? <laughs> seriously, I mean, yeah. If you're going to do it, man, at least win some right. games. But I was talking to somebody last night about the notice of allegations with Kansas. And the fact that it was the only other time really in sports we'd seen anything like last night, if Kansas had won, was Mark Emmert, who is the president of an organization that is governing the infractions against Kansas, was when, remember when Pete Rozelle presented Al Davis the Super Bowl trophy after the Raiders left Oakland? That was the only other time you'd really seen this kind of uh, adversarial, quote, ceremony after a championship. And I thought I told my friend, I said, imagine, here we go. We're getting ready to have a Pete Rosell Al Davis moment at the NCAA tournament if Kansas wins tonight. And sure enough, that's what happened, and Emmert just dropped the ball. Well, I mean, if I don't know who the Kansas City Jayhawks are. They must be pretty talented. I'm assuming that was their first title, the Kansas City Jayhawks. <laughs> oh my God, how do you screw that Probably up? Probably so. Yeah. I'm how do you thinking, seriously how I'm do you thinking screw that, that was, up? <laughs> Because you get nervous. He got booed. You said that earlier. Well, he gets booed every he, year. <laughs> yes. I went to a uh, NCAA tournament game in D.C., uh, I don't know, five, six years ago. And during the halftime, uh, they put a shot of Emmert sitting up in the in his suite. Oh, no. And the place just roared with unapproval, <laughs> just disapproval, just totally disdain for the man. I mean, like, you know, he was just there minding his own business, eating a hot dog, drinking a Coke. And they put a camera shot on him. And, I mean, they booed him like nobody's business. <laughs> it's kind of like like if you watch the Stanley Cup. Oh, Gary Bettman gets booed Every, all the time. It doesn't matter what country he's in. Yeah. He's going to get booed. Canada or the U.S. Yeah, it doesn't equal. matter. Yeah. And it's a rip-roaring boo. It's oh, not one yeah, of those, not... oh, he stinks, get him out of here. No, I mean, there, people were upset. It's like when they used to show Bud Selig as the commissioner of baseball. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. Bud and, and Emmert kind of reminded me. They they got that sleepy look like it's the game started too late. <laughs> <laughs> that was eyes. the other thing. They're by... rubbing their eyes at the second TV timeout. By the way, that was the other thing last night that a lot of people wanted to comment on was the 9:20 tip time Eastern. Well, that's the college. Been, it's been that way for a hundred years. I understand that part, but is Why that are you something about it now? We've been doing it for how many decades? We've been doing nine twenty tips. I think we've been doing it since CBS took the contract. What are you talking about? So why is everybody upset about? It? We've been doing it every. Now I'm not saying it's right. I mean, if you're trying to grow the sport, wouldn't you want your kids to be able to watch sure. the game? They've been in bed for two hours. Well, it's a little bit like World tip. Series games, right? You've talked about that. I mean, listen, the biggest sporting event in our country is the Super Bowl. We kick off at six thirty. PM on the Super Bowl. Works out the fine. biggest sporting event that we've got in our country. But yet the men's basketball tournament starts at nine twenty PM Eastern time. Well, we start now, the CFP about eight twenty hour earlier. You know, do hey, when somebody writes a rights fee, you own the rights to do whatever you want. You you've paid your good hard earned billions of dollars to own it. You the only way you maximize your dollars is to get West Coast primetime 
add money for it. That's what you're doing. Yeah. But are you helping the sport? I don't think you are. I don't. Maybe a lot of people that. And it was on cable last night, too, well, which also leads people to talk about the possibility that if you're going to be on cable, it's not like you're interrupting anything. Now, 920, there is a little bit of logic in the television world, I think, because I think they're looking to try and get a prime time number out of the West Coast. Of course. And how many West Coast teams do we have? Uh, zero. Zero. Right. So what interest is there? I mean, I, yeah. you know, let's see. We cool last year having UCLA in it. Yeah. Gave a reason for the left coast to be intrigued with yeah. what was going on. But, you know, Kansas, that was as good as we got as yeah. far as the West Coast goes. Um, and the other thing, too, you start that late and you have a blowout. Because yeah. Carolina, North Carolina's up 15 at the half. Believe me, <clears throat> there were a lot of people, I guarantee you last night, that didn't have a rooting interest, went, I've seen enough. All right, good for North Carolina. They won the national championship. Click. And they're waking up this morning, wherever you get your news, go, wow, Kansas came back and won? Huh. Wonder how they did that. Well, you didn't do that because nobody's staying up. Yeah. I mean, 1030 last night, you're going to bed. Yep. A lot of people were. Holy smokes. Anyway, congratulations, Kansas. Great effort by Carolina. ACC kind of turned away a little bit at the door in terms of winning a national title in basketball. Really men and women, each with a participatory team in the event itself. So... When we come back, Seth Greenberg going to join us bottom of the hour. We'll hear from uh, some of the principals on the Tar Heel sideline when we come back, including Hubert Davis. Uh, Armando Baycott, nowhere near 100% last night. He was a flat warrior in that ball game, going to work and trying to win it for his team. We'll continue. Packer and Durham 600 next on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. ACC Baseball tonight, 7 o'clock. Hey, Pack, loaded up for Doug Kingsmore Stadium, right? Georgia crosses the state line. Scott Strickland brings the Bulldogs to Tigertown for a 7 o'clock first pitch. You can see the action right here on ACC Network and streaming live on the ESPN app. You know, while you were uh, reading that promo... Being the recruiting ranking guy that I am, uh, I was going through another website that uh, is not ESPN. Okay. And apparently Syracuse men's basketball is having a big recruiting yeah. class. Are we going to mention them or are we just going to? I think we probably ought to. Huh? So Syracuse, we know. It wasn't on ESPN. It wasn't in list. the one that we were looking at, no. apparently, that we pulled our numbers from. But certainly. 247's got. Top yeah, 15. Top 15. Syracuse. So, again, these way too early rankings and recruiting rankings and things like that, uh, depending on the service that you, you look to, in, the, in our case, we look at ESPN.com. Those folks try to cobble together a list of recruiting rankings and way too earlys that we just spoke of a moment ago. Uh, but there are other services out there, and Syracuse is listed in the top 15 of one of those and certainly want to acknowledge Jim Beheim's team as they get ready to go for 22-23. And that's somebody that – you know, the way you look at Jeff Borzello's top 23 for 23 or whatever you want to call it. Uh, for instance, 24-7 has Arkansas number one, their highest rated uh, ACC team going into next year is Duke at six. Um, and they've also got in the uh, – in fact, Duke's the only top 10 ACC team. You know, my whole theory on recruiting, this is why I don't follow it. Okay. You know, and I hope everybody gets wh- whoever they want to sign. Sure. I'm all for everybody doing whatever you got to do. Right. Great. 
But here's when I pay attention to your recruiting rankings. Okay. When you finally get on campus, and this is true for football, basketball, golf, checkers, I don't care, cornhole, whatever you got a scholarship for. Okay. Once you get on campus, now we'll find out who wants to compete. Sure. Now we're going to find out who wants to put in the work, who's going to do the work in the classroom, who wants to get better. That's when I worry about it. I agree with you. I, I don't worry about, hey, you could have somebody in the top 15, the top 150. I don't care. I really don't care. Football, bat, like I said, you pick the sport. Let me know when to get on campus, and let's find out who can compete. Yeah. Who wants to be coached. That's when you'll find out who can play. Yeah. Like, people lose their mind on that college football recruiting rankings. It's hilarious to listen to people lose their minds. It's like, hey, man, we got the, the 23rd ranked tight end from Valdosta, Georgia. I don't care. I hope he's a good player. I wonder where the quarterback of the national championship team was when he came out of high school. That's my point. I mean, yeah. you'll, you'll find out who wants to compete and who wants to get better, right? Mm-hmm. And whether you're, uh, you know, Dave Clawson. How many times have we seen a Dave Clawson recruiting class in the top 20? Yeah. I haven't seen that very often, and I don't worry about it. You know yeah. why? Because they're going to get coached up. That's no, the way it works. No question. So I, uh, I hope for Jim Beheim and Jim Laranega and Leonard Hamilton and all the men's coaches, women's basketball coaches. I hope your classes are awesome. But we'll find out once they step foot on campus mm-hmm. and who can find out and who wants to really play. It's interesting. I spent some time Friday during the open sessions. I was talking to some folks who follow recruiting because, as we've said several times on this show, we don't follow it. I mean, we wait on folks it's like – It's important. It's important. We acknowledge it's your, important. Yeah, but. It's the lifeblood of your program. But I'm not one of those addicts that was worrying about, man, Susan Smith has it narrowed down to Michigan State, North Carolina right, State, right. and Virginia Tech. I don't yeah. worry about it. There are other people that follow it a lot closer than, than we do that we certainly think we can bring to you to right. impart that knowledge. So I was just curious and was talking with folks in, in New Orleans about we knew we've kind of heard about Duke's recruiting class, right? Paul Biancardi and I did a ball game in November. He was giving me a little insight prior to that about who Duke had, things of that nature. And I asked about Carolina's. Because I, I don't know anything at all about the young people that Hubert Davis had gotten committed. And the reason I asked the question was because from a departure standpoint, and this goes back to the math of the whole thing, right? Portal, de- declaration for the NBA, whatever the case may be. What would have changed potentially in the last six weeks in that light for Hubert Davis and his team, right? Is there guys you recover from in the portal? But I was just curious about the incoming freshmen. And of the guys they – person was telling me about it was some of the there's one guy they think can come in and probably help them early another two that would be development guys that kind of thing okay good good to hear but to your point the development guys may come in and be a star you know remember remember the stories we hear every year in college basketball or college football well they weren't counting on playing him this year the greatest pulled red shirt of all time we just talked about in the documentary tim duncan was going to be redshirt. Wasn't sure he was ready. Next thing you know, Cat owns the league, right? I think a guy's like Hunter Renfro. That's another one, yeah. You know, hey, okay, the guy looks like he's 11 years old. What's he going to do? Ain't nobody recruited him. Yep. Little scrawny kid. He can't play. Okay, cool. Watch this. Watch him work. Watch him become coachable. Uh, there's there's hundreds of examples like that. Yeah. Um. So let's get to last night. Some conference cuts from the media room afterwards from – Hubert Davis and his team. And uh, we'll go through a couple we showed you earlier in the show here. I, I, Caleb Love was asked to go through the last play last night. Uh, 4.3 seconds left. There had been an out-of-bounds review. 
Carolina got the ball back. They're down three. Um, the inbounds comes to love. He ends up taking the shot. Here's Caleb's description of kind of what the play was that was drawn up. Yeah, Coach Davis and Coach Frederick drew up a play for either Brady or me to get the ball, and then who, if that wasn't open, then it was whoever got the whoever got open. Um, and so it was a kind of screen to get me open, and it was supposed to be a screen for me to get a flare. Uh, I got the ball, and I took the shot, and we came up short. Okay, important to note in uh, in Love's comments, me or Brady. So we showed this earlier in the show as well, the, the clip of the play. Manic trips up and falls just coming through the lane back toward the near corner. That takes him totally out of the play. And I'm not sure Love got the screen he was hoping for either. All that aside, it was going to be a lower percentage shot anyway, and Love had been struggling. Here's a look. Watch Manic trips and falls, trying to rub off the Davis screen. I'm not sure the screen for Love was there. And, you know, it just dissipates right in front of Carolina. I'll here. tell you the thing that surprised me more than anything else on this play right here, that Kansas didn't foul. I totally agree I with mean, you on and, that. And nobody – I don't believe I've heard anybody on the broadcast. No, they did you know, They were sound asleep like Barkley. Um, you know, hey, you're up three. Right. The only way this is a problem is somebody makes a three. Guess what North Carolina can do? They yeah. make threes. And they had multiple weapons. So I was stunned that Bill Self did not foul in that position. Yeah. Just go, guess what, Carolina? I'm giving you two free throws. Now, if you can make one, miss the next one, yeah. get the rebound and put it in to put us to overtime, hey, all right, yeah. good luck. But I'm not going to give you a shot at three straight at four. But yeah. nevertheless, it worked out great for Bill Self. They win the title. They earned it. Listen, they, they played lights out and had to because mm. North Carolina had the Jayhawks on the ropes at halftime. Yeah. A couple things here to finish with. We're going to jump down to Armando Baycott. He started the night less than 100%. I thought he was courageous as get out. He was out. fantastic. Yeah. Gutsy, uh, heroic, yep. laid it on the line. And, man, what a what a year for Armando Bacon. I know he wanted to cut down the nets, mm -hmm. but he gave you everything he had last night on one good foot. Yep. Here is Baycott talking about how much pain he was in after re-injuring the right ankle late in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I thought I made a good movement. I mean, I thought I really got the angle that I wanted. I, mean, I thought it would have been an easy basket. And then I just rolled my ankle as I was going up. And then I think we were down like two points. And it was a four on five. And I was just trying to get back and do whatever I could. Just even I was just contested shot to do whatever. But I mean, I really struggled. I couldn't really put any weight down on my right leg. And I don't know. I mean, right then and there, I probably knew I was done at that point. Hmm. There you go. What uh, a tournament, though. What a year. No question. Gosh. And And this is expected to be it for Armando Baycott. Doesn't mean it will be. It's expected that he will uh, forego his senior year. Uh, he finishes with 15 points and 15 rebounds. 99 rebounds in the tournament. 99 for Baycott. Was out of sight. Yeah. It's a heck of a performance. Oh, man. And what, like I said, I know North Carolina fans are totally bummed out today. I get it. I do. But, man, you look at this run this team's been on. Yeah. Uh, and it started, I mean, even prior to, to beating Coach K on his last night in Durham, and now they take you through the run in the tournament. Yeah. And it was amazing. Truly remarkable run. Yep. Uh, also want to tip cap to Puff Johnson. Came off the bench last night when Leaky Black got in foul trouble. He gave Carolina a double-figure scoring effort. 
you know, even and I know we probably didn't talk about this hardly at all yesterday, but you know, he made two big free throws in the Duke game when Baycott yeah, had hurt his ankle and yeah. was on the sideline, mm-hmm. and he's on the line and they're trying to get Baycott back in the game, but you can't get him back in there if the dude doesn't make the free throws. So yep. He made two big free throws, as you well know, late, late, late in that game Saturday. All right, take a break. When we come back, uh, we are off to visit with Seth Greenberg for the forty seventh time. 47. Yep. Our first guest, first co-host on radio, becomes our uh, show 600 guest exclusive. Next on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. The day after the national championship game, Kansas with a historic comeback to knock off the heels. We're up 15 at the half, a tremendous mm. national championship game. Almost fitting that on show 600, we go all the way back to your first co-host on ACC Central because I was flying to the tournament in Brooklyn, right. and and this guy was plugged in to co-host the show, and he, he did for what? Yeah, Seth, uh, that particular our, our debut on the radio, right. Of what this eventually turned yeah. into. What that? Um, how long did that last? You, you called in on a Delta flight, that, and that, you that, had a terrible connection. We got about ten seconds out of you. Yeah, Greenberg was filling in on our debut. Yeah, and Greenberg had like eleven ESPN hits, Sports Center hits that day. That's so, about right. So of the three-hour radio show, I got ten seconds out of you, and about I don't know thirty-five minutes out of Greenberg. That was the debut. Yeah, of the there radio we go. Show. So, see, Seth, look what happened. Look what happened. Six hundred. I'm not sure I cashed that check though. <laughs> I'm not sure you got one. <laughs> you're you're correct. Yeah. Uh, so, six hundred shows later, here we are, still in New Orleans. You reside this morning. Uh, I said this in the first hour. If you didn't have a vested interest in the ball game last night, you got a hell of a show, didn't you? You got a really nice national oh. championship game last night. Incredible. So many different storylines, obviously. But it was an incredible weekend of college basketball. It was a celebration of college basketball. If you think about it, we went two years without celebrating college basketball. The mm-hmm. COVID year where we didn't have an NCAA tournament, and then last year where we had it without fans. It was void of the passion energy. It was sterile. Uh, this year... College basketball had a reason to celebrate. We're back here in New Orleans where so many great moments uh, and, and memorable moments were in terms of the NCAA tournament and championship games. And we had another memorable championship game. Uh, unfortunate for the ACC in North Carolina, but what a job Hubert Davis did and what a job and what a story this team uh, has given us in terms of their journey through the season. Seth, at Kansas, uh, I thought prior to the Final Four, played the best 20 minutes of any team in the tournament with what they did to Miami when they outscored them 47-15 to 15 to rally from a halftime deficit. And the Canes obviously were playing great. Really, maybe the second best 20 minutes of the tournament was what Kansas had to do last night, down 15 in North Carolina at the half. Yeah, it was deja vu. It was, it was the same game plan. How you get back in the game, you get back into the game on, a de- on the defensive end. They got up and underneath uh, – 
Carolina, pushed him out a step further, uh, disrupted him, created offense out of their defense, and then they played downhill offensively. I mean, they attacked the paint, 26 points in the paint in the second half. How'd they do it? They posted Christian Brown. They played through David McCormick. David McCormick's back-to-back basics down the stretch was great, but it was the defensive energy, very similar to the Miami game, uh, that obviously was the difference in this game. To be able to get back in the game so quickly uh, was absolutely huge because it gives you hope. And the only way you do that is the, on the defensive end. But, you know, Carolina then got back involved in the game. And uh, what a great job by Hubert Davis, his staff, uh, dealing with Armando Baycott. And, and Doug Halverson, their, their trainer, he might be the most outstanding player of the first half because his ability to get Armando Baycott ready to play. Armando Baycott had a double-double in the first half. Yeah. The length of that halftime, I think, really hurt him. Yeah, you're right about Doug. He's terrific and uh, has done a sensational job, especially with Baycott. I thought he also had to do a real triage last night during the game. Love kind of swiped his ankle a little bit. And Cam John, or Puff Johnson, I knew I was going to call him Cam before the year was over. Uh, Puff Johnson took the shot to the stomach, and all of a sudden Hubert Davis is looking at, you know, what are we going to do, who are we going to go with? Um, you mentioned Hubert's coaching prowess here, Seth. I, I want to go back to kind of – getting in games, staying in games, and living in the moment. I think people didn't know what to expect from a coaching personality during the game. And I think the unbridled passion he has for basketball when the game is going on is something people saw in this NCAA tournament. And last night in the interview with Tracy Wilson on CBS where he starts talking about live action and all that, I I thought he really gave an insight to just how locked in he is as a coach during the course of a game. He is fiercely competitive. Outside of obviously being thoughtful and genuine and sincere, uh, uh, deeply obviously uh, involved in his faith, but don't forget that he reminds me a lot of Tony Dungy Mm. in terms of fiercely uh, inner fire burning inside and uh, his ability to lead, to me, was the story of their season. Uh, you think about how they got off to the, the season started. They couldn't beat a good team, actually got punched in the mouth. Think about that loss to Pitt. And since that loss to Pitt at home, think about most coaches might have reacted differently. Uh, he continued to coach. He continued to teach. He continued to empower. Uh, and he continued to put good days on top of each other and, and get those guys to understand what it takes to be successful, learn and redefine playing hard, learn and redefine what it is to put on that Carolina uniform. And then obviously the, the, the decisions he made, RJ Davis, the ball's in your hands. All right. Because of necessity, Brady Manick, we're going to have you on the floor 35 minutes a game. Remember, no Dawson Garcia. So he made so many good decisions, so impressive how he handled himself in every aspect of the job. And that's going to translate into recruiting. There's no doubt about it. And uh, North Carolina's in really good hands. And I was blown away by his leadership, uh, his compassion, uh, his ability to connect with his team. Uh, It's going to be really interesting. John Shire, tough act to follow right now. Um, Caleb Love, I know there's going to be a lot of talk about the last shot. Uh, two parts here. First question is, were you surprised that Bill Self didn't foul North Carolina? You're up three, four seconds to go. Uh, hey, North Carolina's got a lot of guys who can make threes, whether it be R.J. Davis, whether it be Brady Manick, whether it be Caleb Love. Were you surprised that Self didn't foul? 
I was surprised. Actually, we were sitting up watching the game, and, uh, and we also, well, he's got to give a foul. You know, try to force the ball pass away from the basket and just give a quick one. Uh, I, you know the one thing that might have, in the back of my mind, you think he didn't foul because of what happened getting the ball in bounds? I don't know. I mean, the, the guy's won two national championships. I don't think he's too concerned about some guy wearing a suit when surrounded by dogs in West Durham. I don't think he's worried about my thoughts on this, but I, I was surprised that there wasn't, hey, I'm putting North Carolina yeah. on the free throw line for two free throws here, up three. Yeah, uh, North Carolina does do a good job of back-tapping free throw situations. They run their little cross-play in their back-tap. Uh, all those things factored. So everyone goes, oh, you got to give a foul. you got to foul. Analytics. Well, analytics sound good until you have to understand your team. Are you a good free throw blockout team? Does the other team do a good job tipping it out? Now, a lot of things have to happen. In the end, look, they got to stop. They contested a shot. Game is over. But you mentioned Caleb Love. People that are questioning Caldwell's shot selection yesterday, they didn't question it in the UCLA game, and they didn't question it in the Duke game. Caleb Love is a tough shot maker. That's who he is. He has the ability to create separation, but he makes tough contested shots. And he's done that all through the NCAA tournament. He's done it all through their run uh, during the end of the season. I mean, so Hubert Davis is going to live and die with those shots because that's who the kid is, and he empowers him to be able to Embrace that moment. I, I put out a tweet after the Duke game. I said, you know, Caleb Love, very comfortable in that situation. Make or miss, he can live with it because that's who he is. And that's who he was. He didn't make shots yesterday. Was it back-to-back games? Was it that Abaji did a good job? Or was it they guarded him with a bigger guy, kept him out of the lane? Uh, who knows? But, you know, when you have a player like that, you empower him. Some nights he's going to knock those shots down like he did against UCLA and Duke. Some nights he's going to miss those shots. And, uh, it's unfortunate, but what a run. And what, what I can look and see this whole team coming back pretty much. I really can't wow. exclude Brady Manning. I, wow. I can see Armando Baycott coming back. He's not listed as a, a draft choice right now. He really doesn't have an NBA game right now. Uh, I would think at Carolina he could make as much in NIL maybe than he could make as a two-way contract. I would expect Caleb Love would come back. I would expect R.J. Davis would come back. I would look at this team and say, you know what? Uh, a good portion of their core is going to return and they're going to add pieces. Are they going to find, I think the key is finding the right piece. They found the right piece in the portal of Brady Maddock. Mm. They're going to need a stretch four because Hubert's not going to that high-low off. And Hubert's going to stay true to his roots. And his roots really are besides the Carolina way and the way that they conduct their business. In terms of the game of basketball, his NBA pedigree came through uh, in the way they played this year. He's going to look for a skilled four that can make shots, make plays, uh, defend multiple positions, uh, and open up the floor, especially if Baycott comes back. Seth, I'll tell you what, if you've got that breaking news, do you realize what you just said, how it's going to impact all That's the people? That's what I expect to happen. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do, you, do you hear me out now? Do you realize what you just said and the impact it's going to have on the hundreds upon hundreds of journalists and I use that term loosely, that are coming out with their way, 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 way too early top 25 list this morning. If you're now telling me that all these dudes are coming back, I mean, North Carolina goes right back up to polls again. I mean, instantly, just like that. Yeah, They do, but it, like, think about UCLA last year. They ran it back. I, look, I see the relationship, and, and maybe I'm way off, and I don't know, obviously, Armando's family situation. I do know that I'm blown away and so impressed with everything he does. But I look at 
his relationship with Coach Davis mm -hmm. and how he talks about him. And you see there's a genuine connection. And then I see with NIL, let's face it, I mean, he has his own burger. He's going to have more than a burger, I can tell you that much. Uh, North Carolina, obviously, is going to have opportunities, whether it's through a collective or through NIL, individual opportunities. He will be more successful. I look at the same thing with Oscar Shibway, though, at Kentucky. Right. Those guys can make more money and build their brand and put themselves in a better situation a year from now, potentially, than they are now in a big picture. All right, I want to I want to follow up on this because I caught a little bit of a conversation with some folks about this exact topic over the weekend. Um, and we're talking about Baycott and Sheebway, but principally here for our discussion, Baycott. Do you believe that the NIL and the collectives that are going around at some of these institutions can influence the fringe first, more than likely second round guy? to come back and play the one more year in college rather than turn pro? For sure, the second-round guy, uh, and for sure the guy that has a two-way, and maybe even the first, because you got to understand, sometimes you got to bet on yourself. So if you're a late first-round draft choice, but you have the potential, the development to play yourself into the, uh, to the lottery, it makes sense with NIL, if you can make a significant amount of money, to bet on yourself, come back to school, you know, and experience that. Look, flying Southwest Airlines, bags fly free, and playing in front of friends and family only compared to playing in the Final Four, come on now. But more right. importantly, when you go from a second-round draft choice to the lottery and the guaranteed money you're going to make, you go in the lottery and, what is it, $12, $13 million guaranteed. Correct. You're a second-round draft choice, all right? There's a big difference in terms of getting to that level. So... I think you're going to see guys return, and I would not be shocked if Armando Baycott came back, Caleb Love came back, R.J. Davis came back, and their current unit would, uh, would, would return. And I actually think it would, be, it would help them because they can play their way up uh, the draft board, which in turn, in, if you're looking at the big picture, will earn them more money. And I got to believe, I don't know what the collective is at North Carolina, and I don't know what the individual deals are in North Carolina, mm -hmm. but I know one thing. There's a lot of very successful people that have graduated that university that own businesses. Uh, you can't probably have a better representative of your business today in this moment in time than those young, young men from North Carolina. Uh, what was your take on uh, Nolan Smith and yeah. uh, joining Kenny Payne's staff at Louisville? I think it's a crack in the, in the foundation of the brotherhood. I really do. I mean, uh, is it a great opportunity for Nolan? I absolutely love Nolan. I understand the connection, obviously, because of his dad and Kenny and, and everything about that. But, uh, you know, John Shire obviously has to build a staff in his own image. Uh, the first year before you get to a practice, before you have an individual player meeting, you have someone on your, that you thought was on your staff uh, leave for another school in the ACC. Uh, that doesn't happen at Duke. That doesn't, guys leave to become head coaches. Now, obviously, you know, when you're working for John Shire, you're not working for Coach K, who can make a phone call and get you a job. But uh, that was a little bit of a shocker, and I absolutely love Nolan. I'm sure he's making the decision for all the right reasons, and Kenny is a great mentor and is going to do an incredible job at Louisville. But uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. But uh, in some ways, maybe it's a good thing for Nolan. Stays in the league. Here's a different voice, sees a different way of doing things. 
uh, has got a, obviously a, a major title, has a connection, a family connection to Louisville. Uh, but that was a little bit of a shock, no doubt. All right, Seth, I'm going to offer this as a counter to it. And I'm not saying you're right or wrong or I'm right or wrong here. I think it's an excellent discussion, though. Sure. And this is where the Hubert Davis following Roy Williams and the John Shire following Mike Krzyzewski, this is why I said, what, November, December, there's cautionary tales out here for everybody, right? And Duke fans are getting ready to kind of go through an experience Carolina fans saw a year ago. Because as much as things stay the same, when you hire the assistant from within – they can change, right? And and I'll use that Hubert Davis revamped a coaching staff. Yes, Sean May was promoted to a position, Brad Frederick stayed, but Steve Robinson wasn't retained. You know that. He ended up at Arizona with Tommy Lloyd's first team uh, by Hubert Davis. John Shire's got to make his own decisions to the way John Shire's going to coach it. If Nolan Smith or Chris Carrawell had an expectation in that assistant coaching position, that may not jive with what John Shire wants. And at this point, as much as Mike Krzyzewski's influence will stay with that Duke program, it's got to be John Shire's basketball team starting Sunday morning or whenever they got back to the office at Duke, right? It does, but uh, Steve Robinson, and I, I absolutely love Steve. He's not, he's not part of the Carolina family. He, he was invited into the Carolina family by Coach Williams. Mm, good point. Uh, where, uh, but Nolan... Nolan Smith is got a career and part of the history of Duke basketball. Yeah. He's part of the fabric of Duke basketball. And to walk away from the brotherhood, and we know obviously that's a big point in recruiting for, for Duke, to walk away from the brotherhood. Uh, you know, some people, I don't know how it's going to be perceived because he is associate head coach. Maybe, you know, John wouldn't make him associate head coach, is basically – I would think by some, a look of disrespect if you're talking about the family. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm ha- Look, whatever happens, Nolan Smith is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, great I've never seen him guy. have a bad day. He's, he's got great passion, great energy. He's going to be successful. Uh, you know, I know his family. You know, back in the day, I, I, I was recruiting. I tried to recruit Nolan. I tried to recruit uh, a lot of players that played in, on his AAU team. And uh, – my brother was an assistant coach at the Clippers when actually Nolan was born, which is pretty crazy. Mm, so yeah. uh, I, I love him to death, and I want to see him be successful and happy. He's got a young family, and uh, he'll be in the league. He'll just uh, he'll be in his dad's colors, not his own colors. Yeah. No, the tie to Louisville is interesting. It's almost, uh, you know, it's almost like the bloodline deal in some respect, right? Because yeah. Kenny was a teammate with Derek on the team that won the title and that kind of thing. Yep. Hey, uh, safe travels back. By the way, what time's the tea time? Thanks, guys. This week, what time? What time are we putting a pack? Uh, I don't know, but a, a, a pack. I might send you some like a, some of those Omaha steaks so you can have dinner, man. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, we're, we're just gonna roll it into no. another year, yeah. and and uh, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, you, your reputation is I, just astounding when it comes to paying off. I, this I'm gonna. Bet. I am gonna. I kind of like the lore now. That hey, the Greenberg 18 bet now is going to go into the 22-23 season. Yeah. It's kind of just growing into a, a life's form of its own. This yeah. whole bet, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Seth. You guys are the best. All right, yeah. see you soon, right, man. Guys. Be well. Be good, Seth Greenberg. When we come back, final wrap on show 600. That's why we got the ties on. Look like you're going for a lone meeting. Yeah, this is not a NASCAR race, no. the Packer and Durham 600. No, no this is not a NASCAR no. race. No. 
Tough night for Carolina. Tarios closed a, uh, a magical run with a tough loss to Kansas. Uh, final thoughts on that and uh, what lies ahead for us this week next on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Roy Williams is retiring from the game. Just like that, Carolina's got their 20th head men's basketball coach. And next thing you know, word was out that the Hubert Davis was going to become the next head men's basketball coach. And he gets the Carolina way, which is really important. This is that early season signature moment you talked about one of these two teams getting. Well, Carolina's going to be the team that gets it. Oh, absolutely. 87-67 in a game that was completely dominated from start to finish by the Blue Devils. Tap to buzzer, Duke was a stronger team. Love on the drive to the basket. It's Manic who puts it in with 3.1. North Carolina wins it. And Pittsburgh is going to beat Carolina for the third time in the last four meetings against these Tar Heels. There are games that you simply cannot lose. North Carolina, that loss was a killer. Yep. As far as the big picture. Ten seconds to go. Love for three. Yes! Hubert Davis told us earlier, there have been some good things happening for this program this season. And right now, North Carolina coming down the stretch seems to be putting it all together. And the North Carolina Tar Heels come into Cameron Indoor Stadium on Mike Krzyzewski's final night coaching in this arena. And they hand the Blue Devils a loss. In the end, it was pretty convincing at both ends of the floor. An outstanding performance by the Hokies here tonight. A bare comeback for the ages, but North Carolina staves off the champs, eliminating Baylor. Gets a screen. Three, top of the key. Oh, he got it! And the heels kick their rivals to the curb on their way to their 12th national title game. And in the process, in the career, the Hall of Fame coach Mike Shashevsky, North Carolina 81, Duke 77. It's Kansas and North Carolina playing for the national title. <laughs> Tip controlled by Kansas, and we are underway. The extra pass, Manning, open three, left wing, same result. Back to back threes for Brady Manning. Underhand Wilson drives to the rim. Finds Love. Love will put it on the deck with three seconds. With two, three at the top of the key. It is no good. It falls just short. And the last number one seed is the nation's number one team. Kansas for the fourth time in school history. Men's basketball national champions. End of a remarkable run for North Carolina. A yep. crazy, wild March Madness for all of us. Uh, I thought college basketball won, kind of like what Seth Greenberg talked about. But, uh, man, what a championship game. Yep. Uh, congratulations on 600. 600, my man. <laughs> 600 more. And some said we wouldn't get out of the first two weeks, huh? Yeah, we're just collecting bets. That's, That's it. what we're doing. Collecting uh, bets. Thanks to Seth Greenberg. Thanks to uh, Drew Brooks and Brian Ives, Chrissy Velez today. Uh, thanks to all of you for being a part of Show 600 today on Packer and Durham. We're back tomorrow. We got more things. And by the way, already looking ahead to Mark Packer's rowing rankings exclusive. on Friday. Exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. Emphasize exclusive. the word exclusive. That's <laughs> very exclusive. Has them.
Hope you have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. for 6.01 right here on Packer and Durham. Take care. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.